0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you
1: and welcome to why do you think you've got no friends my name is emily lang i'm an actress writer singer codependent returnee from rock bottom and a gratefully recovering addict and this is the podcast where we aim to rid the shame the highs and lows and deadly blows that ultimately led us to the lessons that we never knew we needed to learn but are so grateful that we did so global warming What do you feel when you hear those two words put together? If you're anything like my guest today, you'll feel crippling anxiety and stress and upset. Unsurprising, like most people. But how do we find the balance of being informed, doing the right thing, being aware, but still taking care of our mental health? My guest, comedian Laura Lex and I are discussing all this and more today. Okay, so it is 2016, 2016, and I've realized, and I've said this a lot, that every single time when I introduce these, I always go, 2014, what a year, what a big year. 2016, honestly, I've got absolutely no idea what happened then. I think that was the year that like loads of celebrities died, so there's that <laughs> to run in with. Um, but at this point, we are in Gloucestershire in 2016, which is actually... My, my hometown, um, that's, where, that's where I was brought up. So if, if those fields could talk, they would not have much to say at all. But it's 2016, we're in Gloucestershire and this is a conversation that is happening with a friend and my guest today, Laura Lex. Tell me what's going on.
0: So, hi, it it was a really offhand conversation with a friend. Um, mm. I think we were talking about Brexit. And <laughs> um, I was being doom and gloom, not being the biggest fan of Brexit in the world, as per. And uh, And I said something about Brexit being a worry. And my friend said, just to sort of cheer me up, he said, oh, don't worry about Brexit. Before the effects of that kick in, we'll all be dead from ocean acidification. And... I didn't really think much of it at the time. I knew I was worried about climate change. Climate crisis and the impending climate doom has always played on my mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what ocean acidification was. And ocean acidification got stuck in my head as a phrase. I didn't know what it meant, didn't know what it was. Pretty sure I should have been scared of it, but it got so stuck in my head and became the little like grain of sand that the pearl of my climate anxiety formed around.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I never quite came back from
1: that offhand cheering up about brexit <laughs> i love i love this like backhand thing of going okay of going, oh my god you know i'm so i'm so worried about trump i'm so worried about what this is gonna do to the world i'm so worried about um you know republican america or whatever go, yeah no 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 don't don't worry don't worry because like <laughs> because there's that volcano that's under yellowstone which is not mm-hmm. gonna go that's totally fine and yeah. you're like no <laughs> <laughs> No, g- give me the first problem. Give, give
0: me, let's yeah. go back.
1: Give me the first problem. I want to worry about Republican America all over again. What? Um, yeah. I feel really, really stupid because there are so many things. I know because of my ADHD, I know very, very strange facts about a lot of things, but I don't actually know the things that I'm supposed to know, like the mm. important things, like what is ocean acidity. I still don't know.
0: I'm too scared to Google it. I don't want to know. I'm too scared to Google it. And I'm terrified that I don't know what it is. I'm scared it's going to kill me. I'm scared it's going to kill me. And I won't know what it is even while it's killing me. I have no idea. That's my problem with the climate crisis a lot of the time is it terrifies me to the point where I can't do anything else. But I also Mm -hmm. am so scared of it that I don't really want to talk about it either. So even like when you said, oh, your moment, think about your moment for this. I was like, do I want to spend an hour talking about the climate crisis and how scared of it not really but then if I don't talk about it I'm just as bad as everybody else that's not talking about it yeah yeah. what do you do to shut your brain up
1: yeah 100% I completely understand it's one of those things it frightens me so much that I can't look at it yeah a lot of the time I know I know it's there it's like I don't know it's like some weird oh it's it's like it's like it follows (laughs) that horror film it follows (laughs) with the the person just walking behind you. I was like, that's what climate change is for me. I, yeah. just, I just have to keep going and this thing is yeah. following me.
0: And I think it's one of those things where I've adapted my life a lot to... Mm. Um, be as good as I can be as an individual uh, on carbon. But because you forget the adaptations that you've made in your life, then every now and again, I sort of look at Greta Thunberg and think I should be doing that. I should have given up everything to go and fight this as big as I can. And I'm too cowardly to do that. But I also then feel like I've done nothing. Like I might as well have been getting a private jet every five minutes. And, you know, I forget the things I have done because I didn't do all of it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely understand. I had to I have a little um like journal notebook thing. Like like most of us do, Mm -hmm. um, in which I sort of like to write down little comments that I might think about during the day. And I remember one of them I came across I just it may really made me laugh. But I was like, just because you're following Greta Thunberg on Instagram does not mean you're making a difference.
0: (laughs) <laughs> you want that written on a piece of driftwood I, <laughs> in your downstairs toilet you know like that is inspirational quote
1: <laughs> material just because you're following question does not mean you're making a difference because I was like that's literally that's like that's what I do because I'm too I'm too afraid of it I'm too scared to go so deep into it that I won't be able to think about anything else yeah that I almost like, go the opposite direction and do the things you're supposed to do. Like, recycle and, you know, not take private jets everywhere. I mean, before, before this climate crisis, I was taking uh, private jets. Mate, left, me right and centre. I sold all
0: four of mine when I really realised how big the crisis was, you know? You, you just, are a saint. I'm a hero. I'm a hero. <laughs> I texted Neymar and said, please don't fly in that g- 300 seater jet on your own. please don't do it buddy I think that that's where I ended up though I had so this sort of it, it was part of it it wasn't I probably would have ended up down the rabbit hole anyway but I spent two years completely paralyzed by climate mm-hmm. change fear unable to do anything because it was like how do you go back to normal in an sort of quotation marks life yeah. once you know about all this but if yeah. you don't try and crack on, what do you do? And I was very aware I was sort of ruining my husband's life by being a miserable sort of puddle on the floor. And I just was like, I don't see a solution. And it it took years to like get enough therapy to go, right, the fear is about a real thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're so scared of a thing that you're paralysed by it, then the fear is an unhelpful symptom you you can be scared of it and you can be proactive but fear is meant to be a driving force or can be used as probably not meant to be but you know it's meant to make you run away or fix the problem and yeah. if it's not doing that then you, there's too much fear you need to balance the fear so that you can go back to the thing
1: causing the fear and help on that subject yeah 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 absolutely that's it bang on um it, it is is getting um sort of fixated on something and really and really worried about it is that something that has been like a recurring theme through your life or was it this like when this happened that that really really altered your anxiety in a way
0: yeah I think well I've always had anxiety and depression but I think before this I always had more um C- closer things to worry about. I was always so broke. Where was rent going to come from? Mm. Or, you know, that? Or there was a more um, pressing personal issue. Mm. And then this really kicked in. Just after I'd got married, I'd gone full-time as a comedian. Money was fine. I was happy in love. We wanted to start trying for a baby. All was good. And it was like, there were no more personal things big enough to worry about. So find let's go global yeah do you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) your life's really good kid what can you find to worry about now and I think that that is a common anxiety thing you know we're built to worry because that's how we keep ourselves safe but yeah it really was just like well you're financially stable you're in love you're secure you're safe Mm -hmm. your career's going all right pick something that you can't fix and worry about that.
1: Yeah, it's something that is so wildly out of your control. Yeah. That there is absolutely no way that you are going to be able to harness it by yeah. yourself. And the then hmm, it's almost that, that thing of when wanting to know everything, but then not wanting to know everything because mm-hmm. the knowing everything will paralyze you. That yeah. I often refer to these these things as um, I call it paranormal activity. Where um, it's like with anxiety or uh, depression or, you know, intrusive thoughts, everything that you're thinking about, you are you're making these things up yourself. They're things like maybe based in based in fact, but everything is so much worse. And because it's off screen, you're going, I can't see it. It could be anything. It could be anything. And so in your head, it's so much worse and going, what if this happened? And what if this happened? And what if this happened? And then it just takes over your life. And you're like, well, well, fabulous. Here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I was doing great. (laughs) And now the planet planet has fucked me.
0: Why did it have to happen just as I got out of my overdraft? (laughs) God damn it.
1: I only had goddamn Brexit to worry about.
0: Shit. Yeah, that seems like easy compared Mm -hmm. to... Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I I totally, I totally get it. Um, I had it. It's my cat just (laughs) making a big leap off the window. Um, I had it the other day when I was on the tube escalator. You know, we've all been there. We go down and looking at the posters, and I was looking at the posters, and I was, and I, in my head, sort of without acknowledging it, went, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm all right. Um, things, everything's all uh, okay. Going okay." And the minute that happened, it was like this switch went in my brain yeah. going, what is it that's going to happen that's going to fuck this up? Yeah. What, what is coming? What do I need to prepare myself for? Because this, this, is, this is too easy. Something, something's got to go wrong. Even though we spend so much of our lives just like searching for peace and like, you know, on that quest to be all right. The minute we are actually all right, you go, I need to look for the next problem.
0: Yeah, which is an evolutionary
1: thing, isn't
0: it? (laughs) That's what our brains do, right? We've got food now, now how do we keep warm? Okay, we're warm and we've got food now. How do we have babies so that there's more of us? Okay, we've done that now. Is that a shadow over there? Are they coming to steal the food and the warmth that we've got? Like, we've evolved to be like that
1: so that we survive,
0: but then it's when that becomes uncontrollable that you just think
1: like, oh, I need like blinkers for my brain sometimes. yeah. If I learn anything from Game of Thrones, anything, it was to never assume safety ever and (laughs) never start monologuing because the Uh, minute, the minute that happens. Yeah. And always
0: ask everybody if they're your brother before you let them finger you.
1: Always, always, (laughs) always. Check. Just check. (laughs) Before Quick DNA swab in the cheek. Before you get someone's tongue up at us. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Gosh.
0: Are we related? I need to know.
1: <laughs> what's that? What's that family tree thing that you could do when you look? You like? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. One, two, three, and me. <laughs> could you please spit in this bag? It's not an STI test. No, I need to know if um, if my my dad spread a seed somewhere I didn't know about. Could you just? Thanks, folks. No, I do fancy you. It's just, do I fancy you because you're my brother? How can I know?
1: Because that is a confusing emotion and I just don't know. I don't know. And things have happened outside of Westeros. Yeah. So let's just be safe here.
0: And I've been looking for new things that are going to ruin my life. And I really think shagging my brother would be the thing that made escalator rides less comfortable
1: from Fuck now on. Me. That would be a doozy. So honestly, I can't be dealing with it. There's already fucking climate change. <laughs> oh oh that's nice isn't it <laughs> oh everybody mickey's trying like the chat that. i saw um a meme on instagram and i've seen it many times because it's been deliberately targeted towards me i believe but it says uh self-care is sticking your face in a very soft cat <laughs> and I oh think this look is- at
0: his little face watching out the window uh,
1: such, such- so no, that, I just is... spent a
0: weekend away from my dog with a different dog and <gasps> I all animals. So I'm fine with that. And I, it was my parents' dog. It was a nice little dog. But then I got back to my dog, who is so rubbish. <laughs> <was just> like, <laughs> I'm so happy to be back with you. You're so smelly and small and little and scared of everything I just, it was just you're brilliant. like a bit <laughs> shit and I love it yeah love my it. dog she's she's the like run to the litter of that was not meant to be born it was an older dog that the people that owned it didn't think that there was any way she'd get pregnant so I hadn't really paid that much attention and then suddenly at 11 years old she had these two puppies and my dog was a smaller one so we like bought her we took her on and, um, and she's just, she's had so many health problems, bless her. She's only three and she, she was allergic to everything for her first year. She just had oh ear infections every other month. And then at six months old, she stopped using one of her legs and had to have surgery to have her hip joint replaced. And then at 18 months old, she got so savagely attacked by another dog that her lungs had to be like shrunk, like she had to have parts of her lungs removed. And she just bounced back from all of it. And she's just the most incredibly affectionate, amazing. Like, I'm up in the attic of my house recording this. She will be lying on the spare bed listening. And as soon as she hears me on the ladder, she'll come to the bottom of the ladder and wait for me. She's just the most gorgeously tiny, rubbish little dog. I love her.
1: It's just the best. I love him. I love like he's such a dud cat. Like he's he's (laughs) he's like, he's like a proper dud, dud cat. He's not as a cat should be. He's sort of like He's sort of like a human and uh, and a dog got yeah. together and made. I cat. love it. Um, I love it. and My uh, my best mate who uh, sort of treats him like. Did you ever have when? And <laughs> it's when your when your parents' friend came around, your parents' friend who didn't have kids and yeah. would be like a bit too rough. With yeah, you like chuck <laughs> you around. My best mate likes to sort of pick Mickey up and swing him, and be like, You bloody loves it. Look at him." <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking terrified. Yeah, you can see yeah. the panic. Yeah, when in the his arsehole eyes.
0: goes inverse, that's not a good thing.
1: <laughs> it's not supposed to look like a pencil sharpener. <laughs> um, we don't often take a portion of the broadcast to talk about pets, but I think it is a really lovely thing because the um, the, the the amount of relief that animals have have oh, brought in times yeah. of need is quite astounding. Um, what kind of what kind of dog is yours? She's a Jack Russell. <sighs> i'll find you a photo she's
0: she's usually my screensaver but i was starting to feel guilty about how much she was my screensaver and not my daughter so i changed it (laughs) she's got a really long snoot there she is got a funny little long face he's got got a little little harlequin eyes she has she's she looks like i don't know if you've Mm. ever seen the film frank and weenie but a dog that's just been stitched up from hearts of other dogs that's exactly what she
1: looks like like something out of nightmare before Christmas yeah yeah Yeah, she's brilliant I love it I love it it's animals that are just like a bit a bit weird and a bit a bit wrong I just think the most fun like the most fantastic people they're amazing
0: my dad's got a Jack Russell too and it's a little puppy and his gums why well, his teeth are just a bit too big for his face. So his his gum, his lips always get stuck up on his gums. So he gets his little tooth like goofing out. And it's the cute little thing. And you're like, you just you just want to wet his teeth for him to let it fall down. But he's just sitting there like he's quite a handsome little dog, but his teeth are always sticking out, like, hello.
1: I love oh. it. When they get one stuck up they you're like, yeah. "You look so stupid," and you're like, you don't give a fuck. No, <laughs> what you what don't even know. <laughs> even know. You'd see your reflection and assume it was some other dude. I love yeah. you. Um, <clears throat> if you if you're if you're up it, would you um talk more about uh how anxiety and depression has affected your life in the past? Um, yeah. Is it's, that a, it, is that something you're comfortable talking about? Yeah,
0: definitely I feel like I think I'm in a good spot at the moment but I'm also in I'm in a confusing spot at the moment because I so I had like a huge breakdown over the when climate crisis really was the focal point yeah and um managed to sort of come back from that through a lot of therapy and being on antidepressants and sort of got myself back to a much more stable place um and then concurrently with that and tied in and part of it was that I really wanted to have kids and we couldn't conceive and then didn't want to conceive because I was so worried about the climate crisis and just everything was messy and mad and so I had sort of like seven years of trying to start a family and failing and Mm -hmm. that was difficult and now I'm in a strange position where I finally have a daughter and I love her to bits and she's amazing but it didn't solve all my problems I'm not it didn't cure the depression and anxiety overnight and you're like are you kidding me my yeah. brain promised me that if I only had children I would never be sad about anything ever again and then you'd mm-hmm. get exactly what you wanted and then you hate yourself because you're just looking at yourself going well will I ever be happy the problem yeah. is me the problem is not all these problems that I think are problems the problem is me this is exhausting I'm the one thing that I can never get rid of <laughs> Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah I thought that this was going to be it I thought yeah. when this happened I was going to be fine yeah. I thought like the second that I got this job or yeah. I, I reached this weight and yeah. it's always the case and you can apply it to any literally any part of your life and it happens yeah. over and over and over again because we're always looking for the thing that's yeah. gonna that's gonna sort it but yeah. the irony being that even if we did get the thing that sorted it we'd then be like as as we said before then be on high be on the
0: escalator yeah, yeah. going yeah. what's
1: going what's gonna go wrong what's gonna screw this up
0: This year, Um, I'm really sure that if I do treat myself to the Fortnum & Mason advent calendar, that's going to be the thing that solves it. It wasn't finally having children after three quarters of a decade. It's going to be that advent calendar that solves it all, I think.
1: But I think that's fair. I think that's probably right. Yeah. And even if it doesn't,
0: I've got a really nice advent
1: calendar. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a win-win situation. It's fine, but I I would say that, that... is probably the secret to long-lasting happiness. Yeah. Like, people can say it's inner peace and, you know, acceptance and surrender. It's not. No. It's always having the money to buy yourself
0: the next thing you think is going to solve it. That is genuine. Honestly, I know this sounds shallow, but having enough money that the Mm. basics aren't a worry was the Mm. biggest salve to my mental health I've ever experienced in my life. And I hate all this, like money can't buy you happiness bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yes, it fucking can. Or it can at least push away the most severe of your terrors because there is nothing more terrifying than wondering where your rent or your money or any of that is going to come from. It's awful. And it's not that you're perfectly happy once all that's gone, but oh my God, it is Mm. a world of difference when you are just comfortable enough that you know you're not Gonna stop existing because of
1: your lack of money. Yeah, it's mad. It's crippling. It is. Yeah, rippling. Um, and it's something that so many of us. I've been that. I remember being coming back from an audition a few years ago and not having enough money to get on the tube. Mm. Um, on my Oyster card and having to ask a stranger for a pound for help. It's it's Um, awful. It's really frightening. It's really, really frightening. And in that moment, and when it's happening, you think it will never change. And you Ever. think, and like, it's your constant, and it's your constant constant where I don't know how I'm going to be, I don't know what sacrifices I need to make to be able to... Yeah continue my I life think
0: the difference that moving towards a universal basic income or or like a benefit system that actually functioned would make to so much mental health across the country and how it would boost productivity and people's ability to be their best selves it, it's just it's, yeah yeah
1: because living in that kind of fear you,
0: living in that like
1: yeah yeah hyper it's vigilance impossible. it's yeah. exhausting and people aren't able to attend to so much more because of this fear. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I know, we could go on about this for a, yeah. a very long time, but like it is, it is really something that contributes to so much pain and fear and anxiety. And we sort of think, look at it as quite a dirty thing. Um, as Be like, poor? No, no, money being a dirty thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Being yeah. Or being like, oh god, like, oh no, yeah, exactly. Money, money won't buy you happiness. It's going like, no, m-mm, but it, like, might yeah. keep you yeah. safe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't all need to be millionaires, but you do need to yeah. be able to to function.
1: I mean, yeah. guys, Laura sold her private jet, so <sighs> <Okay>. <sighs> yeah, I'm not That's even exactly renting one of them out. This. God, <sighs> <sighs> oh.
0: um, but, yeah, I think anxiety and depression is career-wise, it's it's tricky because I started to talk about it and I think I made a mistake with my career and I talked about my depression and anxiety and struggles to start a family way earlier than I should have done. I wasn't ready. And then there's also that difficulty that I did it way too soon and it was good and it was... I'll never regret that show because I'm really proud of the show, but then I didn't want to talk about it for a while. Uh, I just went, I can't, I cannot keep, like, discussing it constantly. I'm not well enough to chat about this all the time. And then I think my career floundered a little bit because this industry likes you to be the spokesperson for one thing. Yeah, It it wants to know who you are, you know, like, are you the eccentric one-liner guy? Are you the girl that talks about feminism? Are you this person? Are you the politics one? Are you that one? And if you don't want to be one single thing the industry doesn't know what to do with you. And I yeah. think the fact that I sort of dabbled in that and then didn't want to all the time, but still did a little bit and actually mm. just wanted to be fun and entertaining for a little while, mm. that messed, I think, a bit with the trajectory
1: that I was on. Yeah. I think, um, uh, I can't remember if I was discussing with this recently, um, but uh, the the... The idea that when you enter into something, especially I think in, in comedy or maybe one, one person shows, things like that, that you um, enter into an identity and like you said, then that becomes your thing. Mm. And then you are sort of, especially if you're successful in that area, you're then sort of expected to be the voice of everyone yeah. Yeah. and represent everyone. Yeah. Um, and the amount of pressure that comes with Um, especially if you don't, if you don't have all the answers and if it's not something that you've asked (laughs) to take on, you're just like, well, I I don't know. And then if you want to step outside of that, then you're kind of punished for it. Or, um, it's people, people don't really know who you are or don't know where to place you. And it's, and it's really confusing. And then you, you sort of find yourself jamming, being jammed into an identity that you never really chose and going, oh, I guess, I guess this will do.
0: Yeah. And it's exhausting,
1: I think, hmm. a lot
0: of the time. And, and like, how can you be the voice of, of mental health awareness and whatnot? Because there's so many experiences of mental health yeah. difficulties or crises that you don't have. Like, I'm yeah. so aware that my experience of anxiety and depression is a really privileged one of having a support network around me that scraped me up of like the rock bottom of my life would be moving back in with my parents or a sibling that's not a rock bottom that a lot of people have that's an incredibly high off the ground (laughs) rock bottom you know so and I had this breakdown as a verbose person that's really good with their words that could talk to people and have communication with people and mm. had the wherewithal to get to into the NHS system and, and get therapy and uh, you know be on antidepressants I've got antidepressants have been taken in my family before so even going on those while it it really knocked me sideways to do that it wasn't like this earth-shaking thing so I had one of the most privileged experience of mental yeah. health so I can't be the voice of all mental health.
1: I will always say as well with this, with this stuff is that everyone's experience is so, is so vastly different mm. that it doesn't, we can, you know, you can look at Wikipedia and there can be check boxes and, and like we can recognize stuff within ourselves. Yeah. But someone else's experience will never, will never be no. yours And your experience will never be somebody else's. And so it's, um, it's why I, I, I'm quite, I'm always really passionate about people not, um, projecting their experience onto somebody else and going if you're not doing this then you're not doing you're not doing enough you're not doing it right if you're not um meditating for 20 minutes a day (laughs) then you're not trying hard enough it's like i have such chronic cptsd and adhd that meditate it's like it's almost physically impossible for me like i would i would love it i would really really i've heard it's brilliant but i i can't and then the shame of going oh i'm not I'm not trying hard enough because yeah. that doesn't work for me. And it's being able to find your own journey through it and being able to find points that you relate to and points mm-hmm. that you don't and being okay with going, oh, that doesn't work for me and everyone else being okay with that. Yeah. Going of someone going, well it worked for me so why doesn't it why doesn't it work yeah. for you?
0: I think for <laughs> me a big part part of what I wanted to represent or just say, mm. hey, this was me, if it's you, I just want to put it out there that you're not alone, was saying exactly. I was broken and looking for a way out, but had a shower every day, went to work every day, paid my rent, wasn't addicted to anything. What I wasn't a destructive rock-bottom mm. person. Mm. And I wanted to say to people... If this is you, if you're looking at your life and going, well, I can't be that bad because I haven't trashed the place or smashed my laptop into a wall or walked out on my life or had an affair or like turned to drink or drugs or any of that stuff. If you're just quietly functioning in oblivion. Mm -hmm that is a version of this as I understand it. And I just kind of wanted to put that out there and go, yeah. well, there are some high functioning depressives among us oh and my it's just as valid because I didn't think I was valid enough to be considered ill because I wasn't doing all those <laughs> symptom things and yeah. I didn't get it that the fact that I was like quietly going, oh, I wouldn't be the worst thing if I drove my car into the central reservation, at least I could like not be yeah. running my life for a few weeks like but I but then I'd rationalize with myself and go oh but there's really no reason you should feel like that like you're not as bad as other people so you're not like top of the triage list so stop complaining I wanted to kind of go it's okay if that's you yeah yeah yeah
1: please get help please get help (laughs) 100% and I think it is so important to talk about and we it's not something we often discuss because when we talk about rock bottoms or we talk about um mental health and this this is why I, I I really love doing this podcast because of finding the happy medium of it not being this like polarized response of going it's either like deadly deadly serious or it's a choice and it's not real it's finding this happy medium of going we can talk about these things we can just spread them all out and actually have a laugh about some of it because some of yeah. it is very very silly um and actually very funny and hindsight. not all of it but um it's going you know everyone's rock bottom as it were it looks very different yeah and just because you experienced it in this way does not take away from your pain and what happened to you because that's that's you it, it belongs to you and you don't need to go oh I don't I don't deserve to hurt mm, because yeah. mine mine wasn't as bad as as that because it, everyone's experience is random and the, it's a thing of going um, uh, someone who, who is, is a high functioning, is, is a high functioning, depre- um, high functioning depressive and but doing okay. And then, you know, someone turning to them and going, Oh God, your, your life is fine. Imagine if you were that. Mm. It's like, it's like going, it's like going to someone who's really cold going, Oh, just imagine being hot Yeah, <laughs> and trying to like <laughs> shove yourself into that experience. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. And I think the thing of not getting help because you don't think that you're bad enough, you don't think that you deserve it, is um, something really, it's really important we attend to that because this is, it's a progressive illness, depression and, and any kind of personality disorders or trauma disorders. They get worse if they're not treated. And so it's going, the people, I really, I admire anybody who um actually steps out of the race before they get to that deadly finish line because Mm -hmm. if things are going okay it's the same with um with people who are who are maybe struggling with alcohol you don't we don't all need to get to the place of like your life being entirely destroyed to go into recovery if you manage to look around and go things aren't happening the way i want to but actually it's still okay um but seeing the path ahead and seeing yeah. where it's going to go to, but stepping out early, I think is the most, the most incredible, the incredible thing we don't have. Basically it's a very long winded way of saying <laughs> we don't need to wait until you're dying to get help.
0: Absolutely. To ask for help. Yeah.
1: Um, I had it. I, I've discussed this on the podcast the other day. I was, when I was at school, um, I was at an all girls boarding school. I'm so sorry. I know. I'm so, <laughs> so Sorry. <laughs> As Kat Sims said, it was like the fucking hunger Games. <laughs> it was <laughs> absolutely nuts. But I had um I had a really bad eating disorder between the ages of about 16 and 25. And oh, I was really, okay. really in it. Um but when I was 16, 17, I had anorexia, lost a lot of weight, a lot of weight. And the school nurse came to came to like get me um to weigh because they'd noticed I'd I'd lost weight. And she put me on the scales and went, and you can get it off and you're fine. And because I was still in the parameters of a healthy weight. Yeah. So it wasn't going, we're actually attending to the problem that you've lost a lot of weight and that is worrying. Yeah. It's going, oh no, you're still healthy. We'll wait till you're really unhealthy yeah. and then we'll and then yeah. we'll do it. Yeah. And that's and that's why this shit is uh. so bad. Is because people compare, compare and despair and go, yeah. I'm not that bad. So therefore I don't, I don't need it yet. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, that's a very, very long winded way of saying well done, essentially. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because um, it, it takes, it takes a lot to understand that you need help when things are going okay.
0: Yeah, because you've only, it. I think your brain is so malleable to mm. its, um, the boundaries of what's acceptable can shift so imperceptibly in your mind mm. and and what's normal and right can become so far removed. I've had disordered eating. I wouldn't particularly class myself as having had, but I had very similar timeframes from about 15 to 25 bouts of disordered eating where I would like lo- lose tons of weight. And I remember at one point being at uni, which I'd fought to go to uni and I was really so proud to be there, trying to write an essay and I hadn't eaten solid food for four days and my hands were so cold, I couldn't type and I couldn't think straight and I couldn't write this essay that I was so excited to write. Yeah. But the thought of just putting some baked beans in my mouth felt like I would be losing and now I can't understand how that was how that made such logical sense to me. Yeah. But at the time, that was stone cold logic that I would have given up and failed and lost and undone all this hard work that I'd done. Yeah. But you don't see the sand shifting in your own brain when you're sneaking down that path of illness on yeah. a subject like that. You, yeah. you don't see the terrain changing. You're just suddenly lost.
1: Yeah, you're completely, that is such a good way of putting it. Of you don't see the terrain. Oh, I love that you don't see the terrain (laughs) changing, but you are suddenly lost because that is that's exact that is exactly it because the change is almost imperceptible. Mm. It's like if we if we looked at a time lapse of it, you'd see it happen really quickly. But in the in the time that the things happen so slowly, the changes happen so slowly. The ideas and the thoughts that drop in um, happen like just. (laughs) just like a bit by bit yeah it's just like it's just dripping yeah A little sand timer and and then suddenly suddenly that's your way of living and you don't know how you got there no you have no idea how you got there and because it's happened so gradually um it's it's really difficult to see it as a problem or see it as something that isn't working for you because it's it's your way of living it's your way of being and having to reprogram yourself when you have believed in absolute when you've been so within that train and made a life for yourself out in the wilderness it's um it's difficult to it's really difficult to unpick that and go oh I should probably I should probably head back towards civilization because Um, you've got no home in
0: civilization when you've pitched a tent and made the wilderness you're the wilderness guy yeah if you give up on being the wilderness guy you don't know who you are that was how I felt like well if I'm not doing this I've got to go and think about other things where it's easier (laughs) if my entire waking day is focusing on whether or not I'm going to have a putty for loo this evening and be delighted yeah otherwise I've I you know you've lost yourself
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. It's, um, (laughs) it's such a good way of putting it. I love it. Um, because (laughs) like living out in that thing of being like, I am the bare grills of this shit. Mm -hmm. I'm, I am so good at this. And then going, I don't know if I'm actually good at anything else. Yeah. And if I'm not, and if I'm not sort of thin and controlling my weight, and this very much applies to this as we're talking it's applying to us and disordered eating but it can be applied to anything else Mm -hmm. you're going if i'm not if i'm not doing this if um with fitness for example yeah um or gaming or gambling any any of those things when you become and you become really good at it hugely the um, pandemic
0: for me was a big help in and i'm so apologetic to anybody that had that finds that really a crass thing to say Mm. but it it in all the ways it was a downside was enormous including the loss of life obviously but one tiny thing that it did to help me was showed me how obsessive I was about my job and I was working constantly and was terrified of the steam train slowing down or stopping or being derailed or whatever. And then the pandemic mm-hmm. threw it all off the rails and I was fine and happy and continued. And I would never have slowed down my work pace had it not been for that forced stoppage. But yeah. when I was forced to stop and I had to and everything was fine, it was like, huh. oh, wow. What? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it can um, happen with anything. Even healthy things. You can become so obsessed with them oh, that yeah. you do a healthy thing to an unhealthy
1: level yeah that's exactly it and I think that's why something like fitness is often really confusing and people who are fitness addicts or exercise addicts because you go because people go like oh brilliant good for you and Mm. you're like no 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 this is this is really bad this is this is wrecking my knees or whatever um and things that are shrouded in something positive yeah it's it's difficult something like work as well um, yeah, I, we often talk about the pandemic um, and sort of the effects it had because obviously, like we said, that the loss of life, the the what it did, I think, to young people, people at school, people at the university, absolutely, and we will be managing that for a very long time, mm. I believe. But um, for I think, especially for people, for creatives, the forced hiatus was such um and this is going to sound it's going to sound very strange but it was a real relief um Mm -hmm. because so being an actor so much of your identity relies on whether you're working whether you've got auditions whether you whether someone else thinks that you're good enough and that you are special and worthy of this work and putting all of your self-worth onto that and that just being your thought process day in day out is really exhausting and again you it happens over time and you don't realize it and then suddenly it's it's everything michael um sorry mickey is attempting to bite my hand off um (laughs) and suddenly when it got to the point where no one was working and you weren't allowed to work and everything stopped it was almost like a oh my god oh my god i can breathe I agree. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to worry so much about this anymore.
0: It's hard though. I think it's another thing when you are prone to anxiety, mm. it's horrifying to yourself to admit to the privilege of a terrible thing. You having been privileged enough that a terrible thing had upsides mm. to you. Mm. Like mm. you just, you feel guilty and yeah, maybe we should feel guilty. I, I'm glad that I'm empathetic enough to feel guilty, but it, yes. yeah. But I think there has to be space in adult conversation to admit the the sides of it that are mm. icky and yeah. going, yeah, I'm sorry. I was fortunate enough that there were upsides. Like, ugh, yeah. it doesn't it's feel not-
1: great, but yeah. it's the truth.
0: It's not as clear cut and black and white
1: um, as I think it would be quite useful to be. because it's a sort of if it if it it was just like overwhelmingly a really good thing or overwhelmingly a really bad thing um it would be almost i don't say easier to discuss but it would there'd be so much less gray area and and much less guilt and shame surrounding Mm -hmm. the emotions we have about it um so we talked a lot about about lots of things climate change anxiety and animals um but <laughs> what i want to know is uh, what are what are the things about you that you genuinely love and cherish as a person do you oh oh no I <laughs> I I um hate it.
0: oh i hate this question <laughs> oh no i hate it a million um what do i love about myself I love the people I attract.
1: That's good.
0: I cannot look at my life or my career as anything other than having amassed some people that I truly think are beautiful. And if I'm going to be up my ass for a minute, that has to be something to do with who I am, or at least the people I like. I had a really lovely experience this weekend I do a podcast with my brother that's really it's very niche it's very small my younger brother who's not a comedian is teaching me GCSE science and basically we just scream at each other for a week for an hour every week and we did our first live show this weekend and we have a tiny following it's tiny right um and I don't know how to make it bigger uh but we did our first live show and we were at the London Podcast Festival and I think we had probably one of the smallest audiences of anybody at that festival. But our fans came dressed up like you've <laughs> never seen. I was, there was a point where I was coming down some escalators and I'm looking in the foyer and there were all the people pouring out of all these different rooms But our fans were all there with little rat ears on because they're called the Lab Rats and Lab Coats and dressed as different things that have come up from the podcast. And I just thought, yeah, I'm not one of those people that, like, plays stadiums and has thousands of millions of people queuing up for tickets on pre-release. But the people that do love it fucking love it. And they Um... are golden-hearted people.
1: And I'm kind of okay with that.
0: I'm really that, okay with that.
1: That's genuinely one of the most wonderful things I've heard in a while. Oh. Um, <laughs> I just think that's fantastic because I just, I just, I'm going roll it out because we've all heard it, but it is quality, not quantity. Yeah. And that is such a perfect example of it. Yeah. Um, when it was there really is. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's not thousands of people. But the few that have been affected in joy and with joy, like yeah. literal joy, yeah. you're coming dressed up as a as a yeah. literal labyrinth. And they rat. all
0: went for dinner before the show. Like they all oh. met up, chatted and met up and went for dinner and then came to the show and then went for drinks afterwards. And they've all become friends through it. And I was just like, yeah, like yeah. that's that's great. I'm so that's- proud of that.
1: Also, that I need to listen to this because that <laughs> that sounds like such a fucking good concept for a podcast. It's unreal.
0: <laughs> it, it is just two people screaming at each other. But like occasionally, somebody says atoms or enzymes, and somebody like. But it, it's mainly us just falling out for an hour. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> it's like um my my mum tried to try because I've got really bad dyscalculia, i dyslexic in maths, and my mum tried to teach me maths. And I remember my, oh, brothers my. To, you, she, my brothers used to, but my brother used call her the Raptor because she'd just go <laughs> <laughs> and, like yeah. scream. Yeah, but like, it's that's so brilliant. Um. We've all got a portion of the podcast that we like to call thank you letters where we ask you to express gratitude for a person, a place or a thing or one of all three. But just something, somewhere, someone that you would like to say thank you to in this moment.
0: Oh, my husband, Tom, for <laughs> being the world's most patient man who has loves me and allows me to be me without pushing it yeah (laughs) and has never ever for one moment made me feel bad about behaviors that other people could have made me feel bad for yeah he's a really cool guy I love him oh my little heart oh
1: (laughs) oh I love it um is there anything that we can talk about as well that you'd like to promote while you're here or we do we need to be very chic and say we can't talk about it
0: Oh, I wish there were projects we couldn't talk about. <laughs> oh, that would be great. If I'm like, oh, I'm filming something right now. that we can't talk about it. It's too cool. No, I can talk about everything. Um, hey, you can buy my books. I've written two books. One is my diary of coping with anxiety via Pretending You're Married to Jürgen Klopp. Um, and the other one is a novel about a woman whose life falls apart. And so she plays netball to try and fix it. The world's worst game. Um, if the podcast sounds good, the podcast is called Lex Education. Give that a listen. And And um, my live shows are a bit sporadic because I'm kind of on maternity leave at the moment. But Mm. I will be at the Leicester Festival next year doing a solo show. And um, I try and like keep stuff on Instagram going. So follow me on Instagram for details
1: amazing i will link all of this below but i want to say thank thank you you. so so much for coming on today and dealing with all of our technical issues because as i like to say producer felipe is not in the room today he's in a separate room and when producer felipe is not here my life falls apart (laughs) um so thank you so much for being so patient with us and being so brilliant and so we really really appreciate it thank you thanks for having me